This message was presented at the GYC 2013 conference, Before Man and Angels, in Orlando, Florida. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. I want to introduce you to somebody that had an, uh, an opportunity to witness. Thank you, thank you. Please keep the volume down because I really want Tiffany to share this before we begin. We have a lot of questions and you have submitted over 90 questions for us to answer and we want to address them as quickly as possible. So if I could have your attention, if we could fill in the chairs quietly. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, our gracious heavenly Father, I thank you Lord for the opportunity that you have given to us to speak to an innumerable amount of young people and people, Lord, that have come far and wide to hear a message of salvation. And so, Father, as you have been working this week, we have been touched by the way that you have used us to actually reach out to other people. And so, Father, as we go into our program, I pray, Lord, that you will anoint us, that you will feed us, Lord, because we are hungry for ways that we can not only relate, but also uh, touch the hearts of our gay brothers and sisters. And I pray, Lord, that as we speak, Lord, that it will touch not only their heart, but our hearts as well. Convert us, Lord. Change us, Lord, so that we can change the world, is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Tiffany, share with us, if you would, um, the situation that happened for you. Okay. Hi, everybody. Just wanted, hey, just wanted to share with you guys a divine appointment that I had while staying here um, at GYC. So, I checked into the hotel at the Hilton, and uh, they mistakenly put my luggage on the wrong trolley, and it went up to somebody else's room, and my luggage was lost for a couple of days, which was a little rough. But God turned that trial into something beautiful for him. So one night, I went back to the security. I'm like, hey, guys, what's happening with my luggage? I don't really want to wear the same thing for the next five days. It's not too cool. And uh, one of the security officers was like, it's totally our fault. We found out that we put your luggage on the wrong trolley. We'll take you into our, um, one of our retail stores there in the, in the hotel, and you can pick out whatever you want to wear for tomorrow. So I said, okay, that'll, that'll work. And, um, you know, <laughs> as, as I went in there, we started talking a little bit um, myself and the security officer as I was shopping um, about his own religious experience. And it was really amazing because he was telling how he was really struggling with his walk with God and he was feeling like he was just, you know, so far from God. And he had all these questions about Christianity and, you know, why is it so hard and, and why does this have to be a sin? And then he specifically asked me about homosexuality. And he said, what would you do if you were a mother and you had a daughter who was homosexual? And what's crazy is that that day, I think it was Thursday, I had come to this meeting and I heard the, I saw the presentation about all the myths and all the facts about homosexuality. And I was like, Lord, I can't believe you're doing this. I'm like, okay, let me try to remember everything that I learned at that meeting. And because I heard Daniel's testimony and I saw the presentation, I was able to share, share with him um, the way Daniel's mother treated him when he shared that, you know, hey, I'm a homosexual mom, and, and the mom was like, I still accept you, and I still love you, but I'm not condoning what you're doing. And I shared that with this guy, and he, he finally started to see God is really a God of love, 
He's not a God that's trying to impose something difficult on your life and this is, you know, you have to do this just because it's the right way. Homosexuality is actually difficult. It makes your life harder and it, it's, it's not healthy for you. And as I shared this with him, I could see from his face and his encounter that he was seeing that God is actually God of love. And so I praise the Lord for that divine appointment. I plan on giving him a great controversy tonight before I leave. And, uh, and I, I'm so thankful for these presentations. And you know, I said to the Lord, I said, God, if you had me you know, missing my luggage for the last couple of days just so I could meet this security officer. Praise the Lord, but I'd really like to have a close back. And, <laughs> and praise the Lord, yesterday they went through all the videotapes and they found my luggage, and so I'm really thankful that I have my clothes back too and that God worked that out for good. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so while we have another minute, this is awesome. We are, we are running so tight, and we... We have worked feverishly to try to compile the questions. One of the things I want you to know, if we haven't answered your question in this session, we've answered it in our previous uh, sessions before. So if it doesn't get answered in this session, we really encourage you to listen to all the sessions and your issue will be addressed. Uh, this was actually emailed to me today of a young person that's here at GYC. She says, you know the appeals. I'm sure you've heard them. If you've been to GYC before, the preacher stands up and calls you to give your life unreservedly to God, to dedicate, to spend time in his service and in his word, and maybe you respond. But there are some of you that have gone up to those appeals responding to the Holy Spirit's working and have gone home and slipped right back into the sins that you had before. That was me. Life was sometimes a spiritual roller coaster. I made many commitments to God and felt that the blessing of God in a mighty way, but Christ did not have all of my heart. Truthfully, I never made the wholehearted surrender. I would return from GYC and other conferences and then slip back. In the midst of attending GYC conferences, being blessed with a wonderful family and serving in ministry, and even continuing a semblance of personal devotions every morning, I held on to an unhealthy friendship with another female college student and was bound by the cords of passion and secret sin and masturbation. But God did not let me go. It was after Christmas one year when my friendship with this girl turned sexual. Not only was I enslaved with secret sin, but my unconverted heart had wandered far from God to make another woman an idol in my life. But praise God, he didn't leave me there. Into the depths of my soul, he shined light and began to pull me out of the hole of the pit where I had fallen. He brought conviction to my heart that my course of action was wrong and was leading to the grave. I knew something had to change and came to the decision point where either I would leave Christ for my friend and be eternally lost and choose Christ and lose an unknown number of earthly friends and benefits. I chose life, which at the time felt like death, which in a way it was a death to myself. In my Bible, I read that week from Ezra 9 and 10, the story of Ezra's return to Israel and his discovery of how the leaders and people had all taken foreign wives from the land. Ezra prayed earnestly to God for the sins of the people, saying, Oh my God, I am too ashamed and humiliated to lift up my face to you. My God, for our iniquities have risen higher than our heads. Our guilt has grown up to the heavens. In the next chapter, the children of Israel gathered together and wept bitterly about their sins. One of the leaders stood up and said, We have sinned against God, yet there is hope in Israel in spite of this. Let's put away our wives as God has commanded. Arise! Arise from this matter is your responsibility. 
We also are with you. Be of good courage and do it. This was the voice of God to me at that time saying, put away the sin in your life. Put away the sinful relationship with your friend. This is your responsibility. Go and do it. And so in the strength of God, I did. I did not feel like losing my friend. I did not want to end the relationship, but I felt compelled and the strength of God was with me. I began to read Steps to Christ and read how God gives the gift of surrender. He gives the gift of repentance. Every desire for truth and purity, every conviction of our own sinfulness is an evidence that His Spirit is moving upon our hearts. I claim the promise in John 15, 3 that says, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. God's word has power. The desire of ages says, Do not wait to feel that you are made whole. Believe His word and it will be fulfilled. Put your will on the side of Christ. Will to serve Him and in acting upon His word, you will receive strength. Whatever may be the evil practice, the master passion, which through long indulgence binds both soul and body, Christ is able and longs to deliver. He will impart life to the soul that is dead in trespasses. Ephesians 2 verse 1. He will set free the captive that is held by weakness and misfortune and the chains of sin. Desire of Ages 203. God has continued to work in my life and I now have a peace and joy that no one can take from me. And which I would not trade for anything. God has removed the attraction for other women from my heart and has given me a desire to serve him for the rest of my life. Praise God, I have gained the victory over secret sin, masturbation. I am truly free. Now, several years later at GYC, I want to challenge you to ask God to show you the loveliness of Jesus. Let him work on your heart to cleanse you of whatever sin you are holding on to. And then believe his word. He has promised, and his promises are true. Give yourself in total surrender. Leave the consequences with him. And in his love, you will find, as I have, blessed joy and rest. And so this is just another opportunity that shows me that God's word is not lost. And you know, three years ago, a question was given to the uh, panel of the GYC staff, and they said, how come you don't have resources for homosexuality? And the person answering the question says, well, because that's not an area that we really struggle with. <laughs> but praise God, that's right. This room testifies that it is an issue that we feel strongly about. And for those who may be in this room that struggle with it or have given into it, we want to let you know that we are a body of Christ and we do not condemn because we have not been condemned ourselves. Isn't that right? And because we recognize the power of sin over our, in our lives, and as we have experienced that overcoming victory, it is our joy to share that for whoever may struggle. Isn't that fair to say? And so we are not better than anybody else. We walk together in this. And as we recognize that we are all sinners, can we admit that ourselves and then help those that struggle too and walk side by side with them until we get to heaven? Wouldn't that be good? And so God is merciful because I didn't think that we were going to be able to share these testimonies. And so instead of staying later, he allowed you to sit down early. And so that has given us the opportunity to, we still have another minute. And so I want to introduce to you the panel. And as they come forward, we have Wayne Blakely up here with the water. We have Lisa Santos. We have Daniel Laredo. Would you guys come forward? Come on up. We have Ron Woolsey. Come on up, everyone. Take your seats.
right? I think that it's only uh, right to mention Lisa Santos and Daniel Laredo are with By Beholding His Love. As a matter of fact, they have a booth in the exhibit, uh, exhibit hall. Make sure that you stop by. Make sure that you take their, uh, their papers. Talk with them. They have impassioned stories about how the Lord delivered them. Then as well, we also have Coming Out Ministries, uh, and my colleagues are Wayne Blakely and Ron Woolsey, and uh, we also have a booth, so many of you have come by the booth, and just raise your hand if you would, if you've been blessed at all by this week, the testimonies, the presentations. Has it helped to change your understanding? Does it help you to realize that homosexuality is not a greater sin than anything else that we struggle with, right? Isn't that right? So I also want to introduce to you my very personal friend who's been a mentor for me, and I'm sure he doesn't expect this. Watch his face turn red. But my friend Richard Reichert, who was the very first person that handed me a cassette tape about a man that came out of homosexuality, and that was the first reference that I had that I could actually get victory over this sin. And so Richard Reichert has agreed to be our mediator tonight, and uh, I want to thank him. And Richard, would you come forward? So brace yourself. We're going to answer the questions that you've collected. You've waited a long time for this. And these will also be on the uh, website. So you can look those up at gycweb.org. You can also look them up at uh, audioverse.org. And um, if this is something that you think has value, if this is something that you believe that your church could use, because let me tell you, sexual sin is rampant and it's taking over our church. This is not just an issue of same-sex attraction. Invite us. Speak to your pastor. Demand that your board allow us to come and to give you presentations about not only our experience, but also how to minister not only to those that, sex, that struggle with homosexuality, but how about the congregation that's being slimed by pornography addiction, masturbation, and, and, and sexual sin, all right? So again, keep us in mind. Yes, okay. Let's have prayer again. Precious Father in heaven, again, as we open up this, uh, this topic, Lord, there is a word that needs to be shared, and it needs to be shared with not only compassion, Lord, but love. And Lord, your word represents love. Your character, Lord, is represented by the law. And it's not represented to be a restriction, Lord. It's our protection. And so, Father, like me, I thought I was born gay. I thought that because of the rejection of my gender before I was even conscious that this was my life, I thought that you made me gay. I thought, Lord, that you had made a mistake because I truly didn't understand who you were. And in my confusion, Lord, it took 40 years of wandering in a world of darkness, Lord, before I truly accepted you as my Savior. And then, Lord, I didn't get immediate results. It took time to address the pain and the way that the knot had become so tangled up in my understanding of my attractions. So, Lord, for those that are hurting out there and for those that are, are parents of hurting ones, those who are husbands and wives of, of men and women that struggle with same-sex attraction. Father, this isn't just for those that struggle with homosexuality. It's for the ones who love them too. And so as we address these questions, Lord, I pray, Father, that you'll take the roof off of this room and that you'll pour out your Holy Spirit. Let us drown in your love and understanding. Give us the truth, Lord. Because as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, we believe in your word. We know that your word is sure. And Lord, if you cannot change us, if you cannot save us from the sin that you identify, then you're no savior at all. And I thank you, Lord, for answering that challenge for me. Be the answer for us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As Mike has already said, we had 
a lot of lot of questions, and we've tried to consolidate, tried to bring them down, make it get it to the essence, and. Um, And so, you know, the, we're going to try to rush through these, get through them as quick, not rush, but try to get through them as quickly as we can. So uh, please be patient with us. Try to, we're gonna, I'm going to try to turn this so I can see you guys a little better. Um, we've, we've actually identified who the question wants to, should be answered by, we're trying to, you know, so we can uh, move this along quickly. So, um, and this, actually the first one is, uh, we didn't identify, but who counsels you? Are you only able to confide in God? Have you found someone you can trust outside of your team? Panelists? Anyone? When I was studying my way back to the Lord, I didn't trust counselors because I had been told. More volume, please. Am I on? I had been told for so many times that that kind can never change by professionals and I didn't trust them. So I did go straight to God, to His Word, to the Holy Spirit, uh, and I use my church family for mentoring, and, uh, but I still depend primarily upon the Word of God as my counselor. I do not profess to be a professional, I just share what, what I know. Yeah, I would just like to say too that we are big on accountability. So we're accountable to each other. I'm accountable to my peers. Um, we work with, uh, we've been working somewhat with the general conference. Um, we know about the past um, and the, uh, the hesitation maybe to, to move forward with victory over homosexuality because of some things that have happened in the past. We've asked the general conference to look over our shoulder. Uh, we want them to know that we are always um, in communication with Jesus Christ and we're in agreement with the Word of God and we're in agreement with the, the doctrine of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Um, I would like to also add that um, two of my very closest friends know of my past and um, they're also my prayer partners. So if, if ever I'm in a sticky situation, I go to them, they, they know me very well and um, that I can trust. And they, they are also um, very spiritually discerning. So um, yeah, so they've been a great comfort to me and a, a great support as well as accountability. Okay. Thank you, Pamela. Uh, this next question goes to Ron. What are the risks a child faces by being in a homosexual family? Well, we know from God's word that God is love, and I truly believe God made no mistake when he created Adam and Eve and set up the original pattern for family in the Garden of Eden. Children need balance as they're growing up. They need the nurturing from father and mother. They have what we call love cups that need to be filled by both but with affection, with nurturing, with mentoring, with education, and a child that does not have that, I feel truly has, uh, has challenges in life that he would avoid otherwise. Thank you, Ron. Next one, Mike, goes to Mike. Please explain the gender identity disorder uh, argument. Like uh, where, a child is, where a child is supposedly born a certain gender, with the opposite gender's mind. Okay. 
uh, when I didn't realize that I had rejected my father as a male role model at the time when I was about one to two years old. I don't remember that. I remember thinking that God had made a mistake and made me a male. I, I liked playing with dolls. I identified with girls. I liked dressing up. And not until I was 20 years old did that go away. So what they're doing now is they're allowing uh, young people to be put on hormones to, uh, to retard their uh, puberty. And that will give them time to allow them to have a sex change before they're even an adult. Had this happened to me, I can tell you with all certainty, I would have had a sex change. It's exactly what I wanted until I was 20 years old when I actually came out into the gay lifestyle and realized that my masculine body actually got more of the attention of males, and so that actually just went away overnight. But I can tell you that for anyone who thinks that their child is trapped in the wrong gender is really just a, uh, a symptom of gender identity disorder at somewhere, either before they were of a conscious age, that they had rejected their same gender parent. Thank you. Wayne, this one goes to you. Have there been successful orientation change clinics or programs? How effective are they? Well, there may have been uh, successful orientation change clinics, but my focus is this. Uh, I believe that the enemy um, has put, put the focus on sexual orientation, and God wants us to put our focus on our orientation in Jesus Christ. Um, so it's, it's not about developing a desire for the opposite sex or going to um, a clinic to see if they can promise me to turn into a straight or heterosexual individual. I believe that Jesus is my reparative therapist. And so that if I'm abiding in the word of God, I'm surrendering my will to him and I want to do his will. If he puts the woman in front of me that he wants me to fall in love with, I will know it. Amen. This goes to Ron. What is your opinion of practicing gays in church leadership, including music? I believe as a, as a Christian church, we need to follow the counsel of uh, John the Baptist, uh, who before baptizing would tell people, bring forth fruit, meet for repentance. And if a person is living in open sin, they are disqualified for membership and for church office. They are not disqualified for worship. Our, our churches should be like hospitals with open doors for worship. But some people are patients and some people are nurses and doctors you know, and work as healers. But I firmly believe that we need to follow the counsel of the Word of God, that open sin needs to be repented of, turned away from, and there needs to be evidence of a desire to submit to the transforming power of God before they become members and leaders in the church for their leadership. Okay. Could you turn up the mic for the speaker, please? Oh. All right. I'll try to get closer then. Uh, what is your... Um, okay. This is for Lisa. How do you feel ab uh, about someone who feels trapped in the wrong body who is looking to have a sex change? Hmm. Um, you know, for my own experience, ever since I was a four years old, five, I, I, th I thought I, I wanted to be a boy. Mm. And I felt like I was trapped in a girl's body. And um, that, that is called gender dysphoria, where uh, they're confused. But um, I 
I think God has made us, you know, fearfully and wonderfully. And um, my identity doesn't lie in, in um, just a gender, but it lies in Christ. And God defines who I am, and he made me um, in the womb. And so, um, yeah. All right, Mike, any tips on how to help a, a boyfriend who is dealing with pornography, addiction, masturbation? We've prayed about it, but it's hard. I can speak from my own personal experience. When I was struggling with it as a Christian, it came back after God had given me deliverance. What I realized is that I didn't hate my sin. Somebody told me sometime, like my mother, when she quit smoking after 50 years, she said that it was her best friend. She said it was always there for her through a breakup, through a bad day, a good day. Her cigarettes were always there. And I looked at her and I said, how can you say that? Your friend was killing you. Masturbation is the same for me. It was a friend that was killing me. I was afraid to give it up. I, I panicked about thinking that I may never have get to indulge it again after 30 years of, of that indulgence. And so the problem that your boyfriend, I believe, may be having is that he hasn't gotten to the point where he hates a sin. I was counseling with a pastor who struggles with it, and he believes that it's something that he can indulge in every six or eight months. And again, he's not to the point where he can hate his sin enough to really denounce it. Someone told me something that was very sage. He said, you have to determine that it must die. And when he told me that, I started to gain victory in it as I realized that I couldn't play around with this. I couldn't pretend any longer that I could get rid of it on my own. And I had to um, submit to the counsel of, of God's word. And, and I got the victory once I determined that it had to go. Amen. Amen. Okay, Wayne. I would like to know, <clears throat> the question is, I would like to know your feelings about the, the chaplain at an Adventist Academy recently who was dismissed because he signed this certificate of, of, as officiate, efficient uh, for his stepdaughter's same-sex marriage. Yes, I, I'm happy to answer that question. I, I think this is so important on all the presentations that we come um, to your church, to you, your universities with, is a definition about love. And love is not approval of sinful behavior. If you're signing a document of marriage that you agree that two men or two women should marry, you're placing an endorsement on sin itself. So love can be shown in many ways. What we really want to help you understand, it's not our duty to condemn or to condone, but to love with the love of Jesus Christ, and that is a redemptive love. Amen. Thank you, Wayne. This next one goes to Mike. What do you, what do you, I do with impure thoughts that I am inundated with? Sometimes I have vivid sexual thoughts. I don't know why. I don't look at porn. I don't stay, I, I stay away from movies that uh, could have sexual things in them. Stay, I stay away from music that uh, would be explicit. There, where could these thoughts be coming from? I am uh, repulsed by them and don't understand why they, they come, uh, they could be, where, where they could be coming from. 
I even sometimes have dreams that are not appropriate. It boggles my mind because I, do not, I don't watch or look at things that would put these things there. Okay. <clears throat> Again, it, it comes to a certain level of accountability. And one of the things that happened to me is once I got the victory over masturbation and pornography, I started to have homoerotic dreams. I actually realized that I was under demonic possession in my sleep. If I had entertained a thought that hadn't been uh, surrendered at the cross, then that night it gave Satan a foothold into my dreams, and I would end up sometimes having three to four erotic dreams in an evening. I was, I, I was totally um, repulsed by what was happening, and yet I felt absolutely out of control, and it wasn't until I realized that the last battle was with the mind. And I believe that this person is struggling with something that has been unconfessed. They've given Satan somehow a foothold into their dreams at night. And so my, um, my advice would be when you go to bed at night is to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you anything that may have slimed you during the day. And the Holy Spirit will impress you because he wants you to be victorious. And I believe that like me, you will get that victory as well. Next one is for Ron. Um, if a practicing homosexual man feels as if he still loves, supports, and lives for God, and wants to get baptized into our church, should we baptize him in, into the church? Is it possible for this man to live out Jesus' character except for the fact that he's homosexual? The key word in that question seems to be accept. Uh, I, I understand biblically that we are to come to Jesus with an entire surrender of the will, not with an exception here and there. Now that accept, uh, the exception, it doesn't mean that we never stumble, we never fall, we never yield to temptation after baptism, but we should not go into baptism defending sin and in defiance of God's plan because we're, we're giving the implication that uh, we don't believe God is omnipotent, that he is impotent. And this goes along with the first question, or the other question that I uh, answered, that there needs to be fruit for repentance, meat for repentance, uh, before we baptize someone into the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Okay. Next one goes to three. Daniel, Lisa, and Ron need to respond to this. What pushes a child to homosexuality, and what do, and, and what do parents do? Uh, we always wonder uh, what we did wrong. Help, we feel so bad, and hope we did not cause this. This is a, a, a parent whose child went into homosexuality, wondering what, what did they do wrong? Well, for me and um, my experience with my parents was that they were very loving. I had a solid relationship with both of them. And so I can see no reason why the way my parents treated me had any effect on my homosexuality. It was the other aspects of my environment that impacted that um, and, and the desires that I had naturally within me as a sinful human. Okay. Um. As I said in my testimony, um, from the very time I was in my mom's womb, I was um, rejected. And I had a disconnection with my father emotionally. He wasn't emotionally available. Not that I'm blaming uh, my father, but um, uh, those were the things that kind of played an influence on me being um, attracted to the same sex. Okay. 
It's, it's true that there are many factors that contribute to the homosexual issue. Uh, but, uh, and, and parents do make mistakes, but not in every case are parents responsible for a child becoming homosexual. And uh, sometimes yes, sometimes no, but I like to encourage parents that have this question, and if you're here, I, I hope you will be encouraged by this. You are in good company. God himself could not keep his children from rebelling and falling into sin and into addictive behavior. He lost Lucifer in a very perfect environment in the very presence of a perfect father. And so uh, where there's responsibility, we need to own up to it. But don't beat yourself up if you can't think of why your child has gone that way. Uh, sin is a mystery. Uh, just keep praying for your children, love them unconditionally, intercede for them, and, and, and work towards their redemption. Lisa. Um, I think once I got re-baptized and reconverted, I realized how my parents were just, just as broken, and um, they did the best they could, and it just gave me more compassion for them and understanding um, that you know they're just as uh, God's children as I am, um, trying to you know walk this Christian journey as well, with all the mistakes and being human as me. So. So there's compassion, needs to be compassion. Right. Okay. This goes to Wayne. Uh, what would you say to someone who has chosen to resist same-sex attraction and live for Jesus Christ, but has not developed an attraction for the opposite sex? Well, as a converted gay person um, who is uh, in the public eye frequently, I'm, I'm asked uh, often, are you still tempted? And uh, actually my response is, are you? <laughs> Why would it be fair for God to take my temptations away and not yours? And Jesus was tempted all the way to the cross. So the question is not about are you still tempted, but what are you doing with your temptations? I'm that far from my past. It is very important that I cling to Jesus 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Amen. Uh, Mike, can you still befriend a former lover after conversion? Um, one of the things that God instructed me to do once I had uh, accepted uh, my new life and being baptized is I needed to make restitution to an ex-lover. Uh, I was never faithful in the five relationships that I was in, but in this one particular relationship, um, I felt impressed that the Lord was telling me I needed to make restitution. Uh, I called him, we went to lunch, and I confessed that I wasn't faithful. And it gave me an opportunity to testify of what God had done in my life. At the end of the lunch, uh, he looked at me and said, whatever you've got has made a difference because I've never seen you this at peace. I've never seen this change in you. And I believe that God used that as a witnessing tool. And every person from my old life, as a matter of fact, I have friends that are gay that are in, that are in this audience. It doesn't change how I feel about them. They know that I love them, and I know that they love me. But what it does is it gives us opportunities to still uh, uh, connect with them and show them what the love of Jesus Christ looks like. And you know what? Jesus didn't condemn me. And so I don't believe that we have the right to condemn others. Amen. Okay, I'm going to go back to Wayne. 
uh, does being born again after a LGBT lifestyle erase thoughts, fantasies, and the desire for the, for the same sex? You know, uh, being born again uh, minimizes the past. Um, as I draw closer to Jesus Christ and the time that I spend with Jesus instead of being immersed in the gay culture today, um, I find that it becomes minimized. Uh, the enemy is always going to tug at you. Um, I want to remind you that today it is decision time. It's for us to make a decision for Jesus Christ today. And no matter how Satan is pulling away and tugging at us um, with, with thoughts, with visualizations, with dreams that might come to you, I reach out to Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ promises that he will never leave me or forsake me. Next one is going to go to Ron. What is the appropriate balance with a gay friend? How should I support without going too far? I understand a relationship is important, but how do I handle invitations to same-sex uh, same wedding or uh, conversations about how he, she, or his, her partner uh, want to adopt? Find, finding a loving balance can be so difficult. And this is a question that comes to me quite often. Um, and there again, we just look at the life of Jesus. He associated uh, frequently with sinners, but he never uh, indulged in their sin or participated in their sin. And in this case, there are so many ways that we can show and demonstrate unconditional love towards our gay friends, our family, and what have you. But there are boundaries. And when it comes to marriage, this is something sacred, something God created to participate in a gay wedding, in my opinion, based on my study of the word, is to condone it, to ask God's blessing upon something he has obviously voiced a very strong opinion about. And I think it would be a betrayal to your loyalty to God in an effort to be loyal to your gay friend. Sometimes you have to choose between the two. Uh, and so... I really believe as Christians, we should not in any way participate in a gay wedding. We can take them to dinner, we can love them, we can do things with them, but not cross that boundary. Thank you. Uh, Wayne, does God honor and uh, sanctify a same-sex monogamous, monogamous marriage or relationship? Not that I've been able to discover. There's a current film that's professing that a monogamous same-sex relationship would honor and glorify God and that he sanctifies this. In a conversation with the producers of this film, I was posed uh, with that acknowledgement to me. And so my question was, please show me because I have searched and searched and searched for the Bible text or the confirmation from God's word where he says I am the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow that he would honor, sanctify uh, such a relationship. And the response from the producers of this film said it's not in God's word. Oh, wow. Next one goes to Mike. I was deeply in love with a man who admitted to me a homosexual, that he had had a homosexual experience, and later he denied it. 
now that we've broken up, how do I get over my, the bitterness in my heart because I thought he loved me? <clears throat> the reason why I asked to have this question is because, again, I was unfaithful in every relationship that I was in. There was no question to me that I wasn't in, that it, it wasn't that I wasn't in love with my partner. I was addicted sexually. This was an issue that because I refused to share it, because I wasn't getting help for it, I was controlled by it. Uh, I don't disagree that this man didn't love her, but I believe that he was addicted to a behavior that he couldn't stop. He probably had incredible guilt and condemnation, which is why he, he couldn't share it and then later denied it. But my concern really is for the person asking the question. It seems that even though they've broken up, that, that the bitterness has still hung on. And we know that only Jesus Christ can give us the forgiveness for those that have hurt us, right? Whether they intended to or unintentionally. And so my uh, encouragement would be to this woman to find forgiveness. And, and as the perpetrator myself, um, I know what that feels like to be forgiven of, of being, in, um, being unfaithful. Um, next question goes to Ron, Daniel, and Wayne. How do you guys feel when you see a woman? How do you feel about this? I think women are marvelous creatures. <laughs> and I found one, I saw one that I decided to marry. And I have been faithful to her for 22 years. I have eyes for my wife only. I am not disturbed by women or men either way because uh, I have a love for my wife. Amen. Because so much of my experience in homosexuality was to do with my lust after other men, since coming out of that lifestyle, I have strongly guarded myself against lusting after anybody. So I have never experienced lusting after a woman because I have guarded myself against that. But I know that if God places a woman in my life that he has um, ordained for me to marry, then I know that those desires will come. Okay. Wayne? I think that women are marvelous creatures also. <laughs> I love to photograph them. I love to go on walks with them. I love to confide in them. I love to bake and cook with them. But God has not yet put an erotic desire before me. And that I say, it is not impossible. It's not ruled out. If it happens, you are all invited to my wedding. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh. And by the way, without the attraction, it doesn't mean I'm not redeemed. Amen. 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 So every one of, all three of you had different experiences. Amen. Okay, Lisa, what should you do if you are approached um, sexually by a lesbian? Well, you know, before I ever came out and I was in the closet, I was homophobic. <laughs> I was pretty much afraid of myself and being afraid to get hit on by um, a lesbian or, you know, and I was thinking that maybe, you know, I would like it. Um, but if someone approached me now, um, I would 
gently, politely um, tell them that I'm not um, gay anymore. And also, if they wanted to hear my testimony, I would, you know, um, ask them if they would like to hear my testimony. So, yeah. Use it to, uh, to be a redempting yeah. experience. Amen. Okay, Wayne. Uh, do these seminars mean that all gays and lesbians were sexually abused, molested, neglected, or abandoned? Or how much, and how much uh, influence does molestation have in being gay? Well, molestation has a huge impact, and there's a number of statistics that show that it's very likely. You see, molestation doesn't always mean that the person on the receptive end of it is not enjoying it. And so it's a horrible uh, thing to put on someone at such a young age. And so that can uh, then develop desires for them that are ungodly desires, so it has that effect, definitely. But there are many causes uh, for, for homosexuality. Um, I lived in the uh, world of prostitution, male prostitution, for 12 years. Um, the phone calls that I received, um, I catered particularly to the heterosexual community. Um, the calls that I got were men, um, in, sometimes in their late 30s and 40s, who had had uh, marriage for a, a number of years, maybe 20 years or so, and the, the limelight of that marriage had gone dim, and men are a little more sexually inclined than women, and so men tend to look for adventure. And so I would meet men who would then decide uh, that they actually thought they were then gay. Um, so there are lots of different things contribute to how one um, becomes gay. It can be a choice. It can be something that you're born with or inclined to. But, but the, the point is, is that um, we can all come back again because of God's word and what he calls us to, to seek repentance and live a life as a new creation in him. Amen. We can be born again. Uh, if my, uh, this is for Daniel. Uh, if my child pursues this lifestyle, how should a parent deal with the significant other? How do we love the people and not accept the sin? When I shared with my parents that I was now living with my boyfriend, they continued to accept me and um, in fact they were very welcoming to both of us. They treated him like their son as well. And that to me showed me just how much they loved me and they loved him. And at the same time, because I was aware of their beliefs, I never felt that they condoned and approved of my behavior. Mm. And that all the more showed me how much they loved me. Yeah. And now that we are no longer in that relationship, I am still good friends with my ex-boyfriend and my parents still treat him like a son. Mm. And that is his connection to the church and to Christ. Right. And it is something that continues to show him how much we still love him. Amen. This is also one for Daniel. How do you reach out to a gay person who seems happy in their lifestyle and, show, and shows no desire for God. I think this um, very much flows on from the, from the previous question. I think I would get to know them. 
I would show them that I cared about them. I would listen to their stories. I would um, let them know that I loved them, that I, I wanted to, to be their friend and that I accepted them as a person. And I would continue to show them and try and, and reflect the love of Christ to them long enough that we built a close enough relationship that I would be able to share Christ with them in a way that I knew they would understand and they could accept and that they, it would not break our friendship. And so I would continue to keep that connection alive so that even if I can't share any material with them, they can come to know Christ through my actions and through my love towards them. So the relational. Yes. Okay, Wayne, what, what a surprising seminar to find at GYC. <laughs> but thank God for it and for you. Amen. I am still gay. I, I, am I still gay if I don't practice the lifestyle but have the temptations, attractions to the same-sex se same people? Similar to once um, an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, even if I, they no longer drink. Hmm. Hmm. In the world, under the AA plan, uh, Bill Wilson did a wonderful thing in helping people come out of, of, of alcoholism. But around their neck, they wear what? Uh, they wear something that says, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Um, when you come to the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ, um, you are not an alcoholic. You are a new creature in Jesus Christ. Amen. And so um, today, um, would it make sense for me when Paul was on the way to Damascus and God intervened with him, he used to be a Christian, I mean, used to be a, a murderer of Christians. So once he was converted, is he a Christian killing Christian? I don't think so. And so today, I'm not a gay Adventist. I'm not a gay Christian. I am a new creature in Jesus Christ. Amen. Ron, how can you love and unconditionally accept without appearing to condone sinful behavior, not just related to gay lifestyle, but also to boyfriend, girlfriend living together? You know, as individuals, we do show unconditional love uh, to the person that we're working with. We do accept them where they are, but not in a way to leave them where they are. Uh, you know, as a church, we don't... Um, give unconditional acceptance. God does not give unconditional acceptance. I wanted to clarify this, that so much of what I hear today is about unconditional love and acceptance, and that's not biblical. Um, his love is unconditional, but acceptance with God is conditional upon an entire surrender of the will. But we accept sinners that are in need of Christ we accept them in a way that we can lead them to Christ. We don't accept them and leave them in their fallen condition because God does not do that with us either. Amen. Okay, Daniel, can a non-sexual life partner ever fit into God's plan or must we marry in order to have a, a companion of any sort? Assuming this is coming from someone who has um, been tempted with same-sex attraction, I think it would be very dangerous to attempt to live um, 
with someone of the same sex and and plan on avoiding um, having sex with them. My personal experience is that I was living with another guy and we were both um, confident that we would not sleep with each other, we would not get into a relationship. Mm -hmm. But as time progressed, our sinful natures took the better of us and we, and we found ourselves in that position. We didn't plan it and it slowly came step by step. One boundary was crossed and we became comfortable with that. Another one was crossed and we became comfortable with that. All the while we were still involved with church and, and, and we never... We never really walked away from our commitment to being faithful to God. And so I think that it would be very dangerous to attempt to do that. That took us about six months to get that, to that position. Mm. I think if we planned on, on tr attempting to live together for a lifetime and not break the boundaries that we put in place, we would be standing on, on very shaky ground. Okay. It looks like you're... Yes, I failed to answer the second part of your other question. Can I just take just a second? Okay. All right. uh, because uh, it was, uh, there's a part of that question that related to girlfriends and boyfriends uh, living together. Uh, we're talking about the same commandment here. You know, so much of what we're talking about today is homosexuality, but there are a myriad of ways to violate the seventh commandment, not just homosexuality. They all should be dealt with in the same way in a redemptive way, we should not uh, condone illicit sex of any kind as Christians. There's only one, only one pattern we can follow. Okay, well, we go back to Ron. Why does it matter if a, gay or a guy or a girl cross-dress as long as the clothing is modest? <laughs> How, I wonder how my church congregation would relate to me if I'm modestly dressed as a woman to preach one Sabbath. Um, I, I, I question the, uh, the term modest cross-dressing because uh, if you're cross-dressing, there's something immodest about that. No matter how well you're covered, you are dressing in a suggestive manner. You're suggesting something that is not in harmony with God's will. And God says explicitly in Deuteronomy 22 verse 5, The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. Uh, and, of course, the question then comes up, well, what about in different cultures, in different countries where they all wear skirts? Well, you know, I was a missionary in Thailand for a while, and I got into wearing sarongs myself because it was so hot down there. But, you know, from a mile away, you can tell the difference between a man's sarong and a woman's sarong. And they, even though they both wear sarongs, they are a different pattern. They do not interchange without giving the wrong message. So uh, I think God's word stands that when we do wear that which pertaineth to the opposite sex, we are sending a message that is not modest, and we need to guard against that. Okay. Could I just remind you that these are your questions? We don't come up with this stuff. You guys are thinking like way outside. <laughs> Okay, Ron and Wayne, how do you handle 
an openly gay couple that comes to church? Well, there are different degrees of this, and I'll handle one degree, and Wayne's going to handle the other degree. The, the first degree is that you welcome them with open arms because they need a Savior. You don't welcome them into membership until there's fruit meat for repentance. But if they are coming into that church, that is an opportunity to touch them to, uh, with the love of Jesus, with your love for them, and what have you. If you discover along the way that there is a digging in and a defiance and a rebellion, that's a different story. But initially, we welcome them. We love them. We accept them into worship. And Wayne, part B. <laughs> yes, I've already been tagged with this because of the result of the um, Gays in the Family Conference. If you want more information and want to hear our testimonies again, uh, go to gaysinthefamily.com. Um, there was a spectrum review about this conference by Deneen Akers, um, who stated that I said that um, gay people should be disciplined. Um, let me remind you that as part of the Seventh-day Adventist Church and a belief in the Bible, our doctrine is, is that homosexual behavior is sinful behavior. There is a difference in someone coming to the church with an interest and someone coming in to want to have the same uh, membership as other people within the church who are not yet converted or in agreement with the church doctrine. So if you're coming in with interest and we should open our loving arms and the loving arms of Jesus Christ to be willing to sit down and to study with individuals God's word like we would any other doctrine that is based in God's word, um, praise God for that. If we're coming in or if people are coming in waving a rainbow flag and saying, I'm queer, I'm here, I'm going to stay and I'm going to take your children with us. That's a whole different story, and at some point, if, it is, if there is not agreement in God's word over much prayer and much study, then, then the result is much different. There may be another congregation, another denomination, another belief that may be more suitable for those individuals. <laughs> okay. All right, Mike, we get one for you here. Little kids even want to die because their parents are raising them as the sex they are rather than the sex they believe they are. Again, I think that there's a misunderstanding. Uh, as a little boy, I remember the disappointment of getting a G.I. Joe and a Tonka truck. You know, I'd look at my sisters and I wanted their Barbie dolls. I wanted, you know, the pretty pink things that they got. So imagine year after year the disappointment. And, and, and I identify with the kids that want to die. At 17, I prayed that, that the Lord would take my life because I didn't understand the attractions. I didn't understand how my rope had gotten twisted. And so I believe that this question really is looking at the wrong end of things. Like, instead of forcing a child to play with the toys of their gender, um, I believe that this should be a sign to the parent that maybe they need to be more proactive in reaching that child uh, and, and affirming their gender identity. If it's a girl, you know, uh, affirming their, their identity, but not in a, a hostile takeover way, forcing them to play with things that they, you know, aren't drawn to, but in a way of redemptive, you know, to showing them uh, the good things about being the sex that they are and, um, and restoring that gender identity. 
And I, I would like to just quickly butt in on that because uh, you saw in the pres presentation that I gave a couple of quotes from Spirit of Prophecy on this. From the earliest stages in someone's life, infancy, um, to sing to them, to read God's word to them, to teach them Bible studies, put them in a connection with Jesus Christ so that they know that the feelings they're having are imposed by Satan sometimes, then they know what to do with those feelings. Thank you, Can I just add something just sure. really quick? Because I think the first question I kind of uh, fumbled, but um, it is a very delicate situation. And, and, you know, when I was a kid, I was very confused. It was scary for me because I really didn't understand what was going on. And all the girls were, you know, were liking boys, and I was just like, I want to be a boy, you know? Um, so it's really delicate. And we just have to be really compassionate for those who have chosen that. Um, that path of being transgender and uh, just know it just comes from some kind of brokenness and we just can't explain it only Jesus can Amen. and we just need to pray for um, love and understanding for them Amen. because they just need to know how much they're loved by Jesus point them to the cross while you're thinking, sorry, I'm so sorry. Uh, this is just so important, though, is that Spirit of Prophecy also says, and we keep this in mind for everything, is that there are some things in life that we contemplate and we want answers for that he may not provide to us even in eternity. It was not meant for us to understand. Hmm. Okay, Ron. Why does Christ not explicitly mention homosexuality and condemn it as a sin? I think that question refers to Christ of the New Testament. I hear this quite often. But, you know, we as Seventh-day Adventist Christians understand that Christ of the New Testament is the same God of the Old Testament. It was Jesus himself that gave the law from Sinai, wrote it with his own finger, gave the statutes and judgments and so forth to Moses. And we as Seventh-day Adventists take the Bible as a whole. We don't just read the four Gospels and, and exclude everything else. And the Bible is very explicit about how God feels about the gay issue in uh, Leviticus and in Romans and in various places in the Bible. Um, one question that I received once was that, that homosexuality is never even mentioned in the Bible. And the person uh, that posed that question was quoting to me some text from, the, from a, very, uh, a certain translation of the Bible. I just went and looked up these passages in his translation, and the word homosexual is used. It's the King James that doesn't use the term. But it does use the term masturbation. It doesn't use the term pornography. It doesn't use the term of heroin or all kinds of things. But the principles are there. And what I found in in uh, the Bible is that God spells out the behavior so explicitly there's no question how God feels about this issue. He's made it very plain. Uh, the question that needs to be asked is, can you please show me from the Word of God that He does approve? And uh, that really silences the, the argument, if there is such an argument, because there's no text anywhere in the Scripture that shows His approval of violation of the Seventh Commandment in any way. Okay. I'm gonna, uh, Lisa, how do you respond if a gay friend starts talking about someone of the same sex lustfully? Um, how would anyone respond to anyone talking about any sex lustfully? It's kind of offensive. Um, 
so I would, how I would respond to that, um, I would just uh, politely explain that it makes me feel uncomfortable and I don't think it's appropriate, um, gay or straight, if they talk about anyone in a lustful way. It's just not, right? Amen. Uh, Mike, how do I approach a person who is gay in a gay relationship and introduce them to your ministry? First, I'd say it's none of your business who they sleep with. And then secondly, if you know that they're in an active gay relationship, get busy. Uh, we have a prayer line that's designed to help anybody to lift up your brothers and sisters, husbands, wives, cousins, whoever, that struggle with homosexuality. Call us because we believe that, that the Bible gives us the formula. It says prayer and fasting. You know, don't worry about, you know, how, what you're going to say. Don't beat them over the head with the Bible. Start praying for them because that's where your power lies. My sisters were praying for me for 20 years in that lifestyle. My sister worked right beside me uh, in my salon with my lover as my business partner and other gay men that we worked with. But I'm telling you, she gave me unconditional love and she poured out me in her prayers. Never told me. Wayne's parents prayed for him. Ron's parents prayed for him. Lisa's parents prayed for him. I'm sure Daniel's did too. So your first line of defense, in my opinion, is praying. We have a prayer line. The number is 605-475-6700. Access code 4552643. And Wayne uh, is on that prayer line on the Pacific Standard Coast at, six, at 5 a.m. on Thursday morning. And I have it on Friday morning at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So again, this is your first line of defense. We've got a husband who's praying for his wife for over two years. He wants his wife restored. She left him for another woman. And so it doesn't take away her power to choose. But I'm telling you something. He's there faithfully every week lifting up his wife because he wants his family restored. I just want to quickly add to that, Mike, really quick. Um, my mom prayed for my sister who was out and proud for 20-something years. And when she decided to come back to church, my mom was just, what? And we, <laughs> exactly. And she didn't know about me. And, um, but we can't, we can't underestimate the power of prayer. Um, we really believe that God can do abundantly above all that we ask and think. You know, he can part the waters, even if it's 20 years later. He's, he's got a lot of working out, and in, 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 he had a lot of stuff worked out in my mom's heart during those 20 years, so everything worked out for good. I'm going to um, go to, a, this is actually a, something that was turned in to uh, Pastor Ron, and uh, it just breaks your heart to hear, but we have people right here struggling. That's right. And I want Ron to share what... What he received. We had uh, requested that questions be turned in anonymously. This one wasn't, but we're going to keep it anonymous anyway. Uh, I just praise the Lord that this this person is here today because when uh, and has been here throughout these seminars because you know when we were going through our struggles in grade school, academy, college, we had no one to turn to. No one was talking about these issues. There were no resources that we knew of. And I want you to just look around today. If you are struggling with any of these issues, this room is evidence that our church cares. Right. We have had to turn away so many people 
that wanted to be here because they're interested in you who are struggling. They care, they love you, and they are seeking resources so that they can be a more um, mentoring family to you. Uh, please do not feel alone. But I just wanted to share these questions and let you know as we read through these questions, we could go through like a checklist uh, of ourselves. What do you do when you have tried all the suggestions for overcoming, but you just can't seem to shake it? What do you do when you feel hopeless? What do you do when you feel rejected by your family? What do you do when you feel so discouraged that you never want to try again? What if you have tried counseling and it didn't work? What if you have done uh, claiming scripture and memorizing, but it seems futile? What if you want to live but kill yourself at the same time? What if you already have attempted? What do you do when it's all you can think about? How do you deal with being molested? How could I ever be changed and happy? I have tried everything. This is the last time I will ever try again. And I just praise the Lord for this person being open and honest to give these questions and for being here. We pray that many of these questions have been answered, that you will be hopeful, you will depend upon the Lord, you will reach out to your loving church family. We are all here to help you. This individual you have been talking to already, yes. so there yes. is support there yes. for him. Mm -hmm. And if there is anyone else that needs that, come and ask to any of the panelists. They would be love to, uh, to support you in that way. Um, last question to all of you. What, are, what resources do you have uh, to help? Well, we all have resources. I mean, we, we all are involved in different ministries, but we, we operate under an umbrella ministry as well. Um, so personally, I know I, I have written a book about this issue. Uh, that kind can never change, can they? Uh, under a pen name, Victor J. Adamson. Uh, I have a website ministry that's been going for years now, answering many, many questions uh, for uh, a general audience. We have CDs, we have DVDs, and so forth, and, and we'll let you carry on some of you sharing other resources that we have. We have resources now. That's the point. We do have resources. Yes. <laughs> Best resource there is. Amen. Anything you hear here, anything you hear everywhere else, come back here and make sure it's in agreement. God has, has richly, richly blessed us um, to be here. Um, we even have desires to be back again next year. If you think that's a good idea, let somebody know. At our booth, we now have resources. We have much of the same information we shared with you today in a DVD format. There is a GYC special, come by this evening, where if you didn't hear your question, asked and you still want answers come by the booth this evening we'll be there we'll talk with you we'll pray with you there is hope there is redemption jesus does not leave us or forsake us we, uh, we just wanted to add that bbhl behold by beholding his love ministry um uh, me and my sister are certified lay counselors and that's one of the resources we have and parental support and daniel wanted to add something too 
Yeah, we um, also strongly believe in the power of accountability. And so each of us offer accountability um, over a number of mediums. Uh, we understand that a lot of people don't necessarily like to talk face to face. So we offer email and, and Facebook options for, um, for keeping accountability partners. Uh, we also have contacts with um, people who have uh, come to terms with their transgender um, transformation and so they help us to be able to minister to them. Uh, we also have children who have been raised in a same-sex relationship who can help to, to minister to other children who may be struggling in that um, setting. Uh, we also um, have an, a campus ministry, um, a, a, part, an, a project of our ministry that is specific design, specifically designed for, for schools and university campuses to reach out to the students and staff to help the staff know how to deal uh, with this issue appropriately and biblically, and also um, to give the students a place to talk openly, comfortably, and know that they will not be judged. They can speak uh, confidentially um, and know that they will um, experience the love of Christ. I might add also, we all are available for speaking engagements in churches, in schools, in universities, in conferences, in ministers' retreats, et cetera, et cetera. And we travel internationally. Uh, we've all been traveling internationally. So we're just praising the Lord that he has given us a way to pay back for all that he has done for us. Michelle, do you have the paper. Will you hold up our resource paper, please? In the back, we have a list, a piece of paper that we put together with resources. And make sure that you get one of these if you're interested. Um, as we conclude, I just want to remind you again, when we started this, we told you that this was going to be a safe place. And we believe that we initiated that by, by showing you our underbelly, by showing you exactly everything that we've gone through. But I believe what really made this place safe was your participation the love that you have poured, not only out to us, but in your reactions, in your responsiveness. The, raise your hand if you've been here for the entire conference. Raise your hand high if you would. It has meant so much more to us than you could possibly know. And for those that are here that may be struggling, remember, this is your decision. This is your choice. Nobody's going to take it from you because nobody took it from me either. And I just want to let you know that regardless of whatever you decide, we will walk beside you. We will take care of you. We will love you to the bitter end. All right? As we conclude, let us all bow our heads together in prayer. Father, we have done what you've asked us to do. Revelation 12:11 says that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives even unto the death. And Father, we have had to die. We've had to die to that which we loved to that which we cultivated, to even those things, Lord, that were wielded on us before we were even conscious. It almost seems unfair. But Lord, you took responsibility. You paid the penalty. You gave us the death that we deserve so that we might have the life that your son deserves. And so, Father, now it's your responsibility to redeem the rest of your children home. We are here for you. We are your soldiers because we belong to Jesus Christ. And it doesn't give us a license anymore, Lord, to, to try to change your word. Because if you call it an abomination, then you're responsible to show us that way out. We hold you accountable, Lord, because you are good and all power and all authority is yours. And so, Father, as we leave this place, 
give us that power to love people to the cross and to receive, Lord, that which we need, Lord, to be satisfied. I thank you, Lord, and I pray for each person in this room in a special way that when you come that we will all be there together. Let us all together say, Amen. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, please visit us online at www.gycweb.org.